Welcome to the From the STEM Up podcast. My name is Adriana, and here we spark youth connections in STEM fields. Hey, and welcome to the 22nd episode of From the STEM Up. I'm really excited for this next guest. He's done a lot of cool projects. Thank you for your patience on the late release of this episode. I have a bunch of school to do. I hope you enjoyed the bonus episode from a couple weeks ago. Uh, Let's get into it. So, hey, Calix, how are you doing? So, hey, everyone. I am uh, Calix, and basically right now I'm super interested in uh, the software engineering and computer science aspect of STEM. Um, I've been in the field for not too long, uh, just coming up on two years, I believe, or a little bit over two years. Um, and I mainly just kind of, I mainly build a lot of different startups, a lot of different projects that I've been uh, working on recently and also long-term. And I guess other than what I do in uh, computer science, right now I'm also homeschooled uh, on an independent study program. And so um, that definitely gives me a lot of a different perspective um, and a lot of different, um, a lot of a different schedule, I guess, uh, for my day-to-day activities. Uh, were you homeschooled your whole life or what does your daily routine entail? Uh, yeah, so it's, um, I feel like when a lot of people, when, um, when I say, you know, I'm homeschooled, they kind of think of like the traditional, oh, do your parents teach you or like there's no like real curriculum, it's kind of like made up or something. Um, but I'm part of an online school and so they do have like a structured curriculum and I take the same classes that other people take. Um, I still collect units and all that kind of stuff. And the only difference is that it's online. So like some of my teachers will be, um, well, I live in uh, Silicon Valley. Some of my teachers will be down in SoCal. Some of them will be across uh, the United States in like Florida or somewhere else like that. And so basically my day-to-day is just kind of, it's really, really flexible. So I can have lessons overdue. I can work ahead. I can kind of complete work anytime I want. So I can I can do my work in the morning at like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. And then I can also just kind of do other things and then maybe do my work somewhere on three or six or maybe even like midnight. Uh, it depends on when I want to do it. But usually I do it in the morning. And especially since it's uh, self-paced. So I like to think of it as it's not really you get classwork and then you learn in class and then they give you homework and you do homework on your own. It's kind of just they give you homework and they give you the resources to learn the material and then you just figure it out on your own. And so in that sense, homeschooling uh, can go like a lot faster than regular school. Like you don't have a lot of breaks and things like that, or you can take breaks whenever you want. So it's really, you get through your work as fast as you are at completing your work, right? So I know people who uh, in the program that take a solid six, seven hours, just like a normal school day. Uh, for me, it doesn't really take that long because I don't put soup. I don't, you know, go above and beyond to put so much effort into my schoolwork. So usually around one to two hours on average each day. So it gives me like a solid chunk of time or the entire day really to kind of focus on everything. Mm-hmm. So was this a choice of yours? Yes. So it was actually wasn't my idea. It was actually my sister's idea. And so I start. So I wasn't always uh, in this program. I've been in this program since sixth grade. And so when I was ending fifth grade, um, I was kind of approached by the question, like, do you want to go homeschooled? I wasn't really given that much context and I was really young. I think I was around 10 or something. So I couldn't really make like a super rational decision or like, I didn't really think about it that much. I kind of just said yes. Uh, ended up being like a really good decision, but throughout my middle school years, I didn't really do anything um, 
spectacular. I kind of just did my work and then I had like extra activities. I did competitive sports, but like um, nothing that I do currently. Yeah, so that's really interesting. I'm, I'm really glad I got that perspective. Um, so now we're going to move on to the STEM side of things. Um, what does STEM mean to you? I mean, there's always like the, the formal definition of STEM. Um, I think I, I myself have not really actually explored that much of STEM. I've always just kind of zeroed in on the CSX aspect, which is definitely like a big part of STEM, but it's definitely not all of it. And so um, I honestly uh, probably don't even know because I haven't really explored it so, so much. I think like the CS aspect, it's a very logical aspect. I mean, I think a lot of parts of STEM are. Um, but it's super, super interesting just because, it's, you know, it's not necessarily like a new field, it's not a new industry, right? But it's definitely like a lot of people know that it's super on fire right now, but it's just definitely like a very versatile field. Like technology in general is just very, it's just very big and it's not really inclusive to any one field. Like there's, there's technology everywhere. Like there's obviously the common companies like Google and Facebook, but like, you know, I know software engineers who work for basketball teams. I don't even know what they do uh, at those basketball teams, but um, you know, they write software for like the, I don't know, the scoreboards, I believe they write the, the code for the scoreboards at their home teams. They do data science for some of their plays, I believe. Uh, but I think it's just like the versatility is just super, super interesting for me. Yeah. and, and you mentioned your interest in software engineering. So what sparked your interest for it and why? I actually used to uh, not like <laughs> coding. Um, I was kind of uh, slightly forced into taking like online classes at one point, And that really like built up like how much I don't like it and how I don't really like computers. And I was around like right before I started my freshman year high school. Um, and I really just, I didn't necessarily get my start directly into software engineering. I actually got my start into uh, the ethical hacking and penetration space, uh, penetration testing space, and uh, just kind of like general uh, cybersecurity. And so I found that part really, really interesting. And then from there, I slightly funneled into, into, into coding and programming uh, and software in general. And so I had never really, there's obviously the part of, um, there's all, there's obviously the other part of like hardware engineering, but I never really got that deep into that part. It's just like, I kind of dabbled a lot of in, into a lot of things relating to software. Um, and I guess software engineering just made a lot of sense. It was very, it was very logical and it was just very straightforward in general. Yeah. Where do you see, uh, software engineers in the future? Um, so yeah, everyone, um, or I feel like a lot of people know it's like it's very booming field. I don't think it's really a profession that will change much. Like there will always be different languages and frameworks to learn and to use and to build with. Um, but it's more about the certain, I guess, the certain subjects and the certain topics and concepts within that field that, that are really going to be super, super impactful in the future, just like AI and ML, for one example. Um, it's not directly tied to software, but, or, to software engineering, but it is definitely very related. Um, there's things like quantum computing, which more falls on the hardware side of things, but it still does determine and come up with a new way that um, computers in the future will process data. Um, and so I think like software is very efficient. Quantum computing provides uh, an extension for more efficient computing. So like a lot of a lot of problems in the future with quantum computing can get solved because we don't just have we just don't have the processing power for that just right now. But I don't really settle on the exponential uh, technology side of software. 
um, more on the practical application aspect. And so because it's just so versatile, like I said earlier, it's, it's going to do nothing but grow into different fields. Um, not that it hasn't grown enough already, but definitely uh, will become farther out there. And I think like a lot of people will start to move into the industry, which they already are just to fill that demand. Yeah, for sure. It's like, especially since a lot of things are becoming digitalized, like even basketball teams need software engineers. Um, so it's yeah. so it's really cool how uh, a lot of industries have kind of merged into, um, I guess, a team mostly comprised of software engineers, where before it was it was a little bit more, uh, you know, less technical. And I, and I guess that just is because of us uh, becoming more digital. Um, and especially with the coronavirus, like we are very digital now. So they're really important. And a lot of my peers are also interested in that field. So it's, uh, it's I mean, it's a really interesting area to go in. And even if you're not looking to go into software engineering, I think that you're still going to be using tech in some way. Um, even if you're a writer, you'll be using, I don't know, Google Docs. You might need to promote something using tech. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just everywhere around us. So that's really awesome. So speaking of yeah. which, um, what is your dream you know, career or profession? Like, where do you see yourself um, in maybe 15 years? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really hard question because it's just like kind of like a big big question mark to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think like based on what I find really interesting right now, I think the intersection and I know a lot of people like this as well. The intersection between um, software tech and uh, entrepreneurship is really really interesting for me, um, and especially since I've kind of already dipped my toes into uh, the startup world, uh, it has been um, a really great experience. And so on, honestly, I don't exactly know. Um, the career paths are kind of like endless. You know, you can kind of go into the field and create a startup, or you can work as a software engineer. Um, you can kind of go in and be a consultant. Uh, you can just kind of be, you can be in freelance or contracting. You know, there's a lot of different ways, but like they're all kind of doing the same thing in general. Just like the operations behind it are uh, really, really different. And so I don't exactly know. Um, I definitely think it'll be something in software, but everyone makes pivots throughout their career. But I think in general, something in technology is just always kind of going to be there for me. For sure. And I, and I understand it. Like, it's a really far-fetched question, but um, I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be something pretty cool uh, because after the break, we're going to be talking about some of the cool projects that Calix has been working on. Um, it's, it's, it's really awesome. He, like he literally keeps making new projects every, every few months. It's like, uh, awesome, and I'm super excited to talk about it. Uh, so I'll see you guys after the break. Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by the Accelerated Learner Academy. It's a course for students and lifelong learners to go from continued failure to top marks and success. It's a four-week life program where you will be learning directly from Matthew Espinoza and his team on how to maximize your brain and be more productive for this next school year. In fact, I'll be joining Matt and the others in version two of this course as an advisor in the program. I took the accelerated reading course and increased my reading speed from around 200 words per minute to 600 words per minute which is awesome. So version two is going to be released on January 15th. So if you want to get to know me better and join the Academy, be sure to check out the link in the bio for the full Academy details. All right, to the next part of the episode. All right, I hope you guys enjoy that break. So as I said, this next segment, we're just going to be talking about some of your projects. Um, so you've mentioned one of your projects uh, to me earlier, 
uh, hours. So would you like to talk about it? So what was your inspiration behind it and, you know, your process of making it? Yeah. So um, so hours is basically uh, just like a free productivity tool that I've been working on for not that long. So like at the time of this recording, just like around two to three weeks. Um, and so it kind of started off as a fun project, but uh, the whole the whole thing behind it is just it's based off of accountability. And so it's basically kind of uh, it, it's a project where you can kind of invite your friends into different sessions, uh, productivity sessions. Um, and basically you kind of talk about this is all based off of a productivity technique called hours. And you basically go into the session and you list out all of your tasks like, OK, I'm going to do X, Y and Z. And I'm going to do A, B, and C um, in this amount of time. And so when you list those out, um, it'll be in real time. So the person, other people inside the session, so it's not limited to two people. It can be limited to like five or 10 or 15 people. It doesn't really matter. Um, we'll be able to see that. And so in, in this case, you can kind of be working on completely separate things. You don't really need to be working on the same project or on the same team to, to use hours, which is... Uh, I think is really really great and basically after you have those, all of those t tasks list out you can put on a timer like okay how are you how long are you going to work for 15 30 minutes one hour two hours it really depends and i guess so throughout that time you're just going to be working on your own tasks and then checking them off or modifying them as needed and all of that progress is visible to everyone else in the session and so it gives that lightweight feeling of accountability of hey other people are working i should be working as well and so this productivity technique is not really as popular as like something called the Pomodoro, um, but it's a really, really cool technique. And I guess the inspiration behind it is that it wasn't actually, so the technique itself is not actually my idea. Um, and so if you go to the website, which is hours.zone and you go to like the, how does it work? Um, I credit an article um, at the very bottom of that page. And it's basically the original article of who came up with the idea. And so it, it kind of is the same exact thing as what I was just saying. It's just you go, but in that case, you go on a chat or you go on a video call or a phone call, and then you do the exact same thing with whoever you're working with. And you just say, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this in one hour. And then the other person does the same. And you go away, you do your thing, and you come back in one hour, and you just say, this is what I did, and this is what I wasn't able to do, and all that kind of stuff. And it's it was almost too simple. I kind of... I saw the article because my friend sent it to me. And I was like, this can't possibly work. And so I used it with them. And turns out it actually worked. Like it really, really helped me, even though I barely talked uh, to the person I was using it with. And so I kind of kept on using it with, uh, with that person and with other friends. I shared it. And so um, over time, I kind of just, the idea popped in my head. I was just like, okay, well, what if I built this into like a website, you know? It's not super popular, and I don't think a lot of people know about it. And I think like this is something that I can visualize that could possibly be um, into a platform. Because I think the only downfalls is that you can't really tell about the progress that your partner's making. Um, and sometimes, um, just like technical issues, like if you have your microphone configuration set up, this is a big thing for me, maybe not for other people. When I had my configuration set up, it was just kind of weird because it kept muffling all the audio because I was on a video call. Um, and just kind of all of that stuff. And it really feel like it, there was a secure place to, you know, to do hours. And so I had that idea around five, six months ago. And I tried building it. And I won't get too deep into the technicalities, but I wasn't able to build it because it required uh, real-time WebRTC communication between uh, different people on the, the app. And so I, you know, discontinued it. 
And so just around two, three weeks ago, I decided to start it back up for fun. And I was actually, I was more experienced at that time. So uh, I was able to build a pretty decent version. It was not good by any means, but it was, it was functional uh, within like five, six hours. And so I kind of just kept building on it as a fun project. And so as of right now, it's kind of coming out of stealth um, a little bit more. And so I guess, yeah, that was kind of my inspiration behind it. It hasn't been up for that long, but um, I've really been enjoying my time building on it. For sure. And I'm reading uh, the About Us or like, how does it work? Sorry. Um, and it mentions flow state. So ours is trying to achieve a flow state. So can you explain what flow state really is? Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely not a psychologist. Uh, I actually um, know most about flow state just kind of reading articles that I've been sent. Um, but flow state is just kind of like, it's really, you get into this state or it's also known as like, okay, I'm in the zone, right? Like, I feel like I'm very productive. I feel like I'm doing everything efficiently. But like a very important part is like, okay, I feel like time is moving faster, right? Because I don't really, you know, I'm not really, you know, when time is moving slower, you're kind of just bored. You're not really active. And so when you're in flow state, it's just kind of like time seems to move faster. And so obviously, you know, ours is not going to achieve flow state for everyone, right? Uh, but basically, it's it's very similar to a an application called uh, FocusMate, which is actually uh, very established. And so it's been up for around two to three years. And so it's gotten quite a bit of backing, quite a bit of funding, and, um, you know, quite a bit of press. And so I, you know, I had looked at it before and I actually only found about Focusmate after I came up with the idea. And so the issue with Focusmate that I saw was that, okay, well, first of all, there's pricing, you know, that's a huge barrier for anyone, I guess. And it, it, in and of itself, the application is very heavy. Um, you know, there's a sign up process and then there's a scheduling process. And a lot of the times you're not even going to be working with the same person all the time uh, because sometimes you get matched up with random people, I believe. And another thing is that it's still heavily based off of the fact that you should be holding onto a video call and that you should be talking with uh, whoever you're talking with um, or at least being on the call with them. And so that brings up like all of the other difficulties that I was saying earlier. And so, and I believe that they don't host their own video. They use a service called Jitsi, which is open source and end encrypted great video calling services, what we use as well but we definitely don't base our entire application off of it. And so um, they have like this gigantic um, explanation of how, um, how it works in general. And so it very much applies to ours where it, it really does provide like different aspects of flow state that you need, uh, like you know, commitment, accountability, social pressure, um, and all of that kind of stuff. And just being like very, very straightforward with, okay, this is what I'm going to achieve in this amount of time. And so I think that really plays into flow state. And obviously it's never a hundred percent guaranteed, but um, I guess from me and, you know, the people that I've used it with, even though it may or may not have helped them achieve flow state, it was definitely helpful for them for uh, productivity in general. Yeah. And like, as you mentioned, like that heavy application with all that sign up, I mean, it will make people less productive doing all that sign up than actually just like doing their work. Anyways. Yeah, definitely. I think I heard about flow state before and it's and it's something that's also um it's it's also like a book I think that like commitment and incentive to be productive is something that a lot of people want and a lot of people kind of lack. I think this would be a really great application. So will this be like a free thing or will this be um something that we would have to subscribe to? 
Yeah, so obviously the future of it is definitely uncertain. But one thing that is for certain, there is always going to be like a very good version of ours that's going to be free because that's kind of what it's built on in general. And there will always be a version that's lightweight. Um, I think I forgot to touch on this earlier. Ours is built in a fashion that is very lightweight to use where starting a session is just, okay, well, I just click this button, I enter the title, I enter my name, and then I have a session. And then if I want to invite someone, you know, I don't have to type in their email and I don't have to like search for their account. I just copy an invite link and I send it to wherever they are. And so in that case, we're not really trying to replace, you know, I think in general, uh, and at this, I think this touches less on the, the, the STEM side and more on the entrepreneurship side, where it's just like people don't want to leave the products that they, leave, uh, that they love. You know, they don't want to leave Instagram or they don't want to leave uh, iMessage or WhatsApp or wherever they have their group chats. And so why have to make them sign up on an entirely different platform and then have them, you know, form their own gigantic circles on this entirely new platform that they may or may not like, whereas let's just take a link and they can send it into uh, the group chats and the messaging platforms that they do like to use and they currently use. And so we're really trying our best to not reinvent anything and just making it super, super easy because you know, if you're if you have to put in so much effort to start a productivity session, I guess that can't really be considered productivity because you're just spending all this time doing it. Yeah, for sure. I think your approach to making it more lightweight is definitely the best way to go. Um, so you've been working on many projects. Um, what is your what are your tips for getting started on an idea, uh, whether it be software or not, um, and committing to it until launch yeah so it sounds like too simple but you just have to kind of like start but take precaution because there's obviously a lot of people that start more things that they can handle um but with that kind of common sense in mind you just kind of have to start because um if, if you fail it's okay like we'll just take hours again i failed to build the first version uh just because i wasn't i didn't know i didn't have the technical knowledge to actually do so um, but it never would have stuck in my head if I didn't try the first time, I guess. And so, um, it plays out with a lot of other things, right? I, I have had ideas. Um, I have another project called NOJS, uh, which is like a web animation library. And so I had the idea, but I had no intention of building it before I was pressured into building it for like a hackathon, uh, which we ended up winning that hackathon, which was really great. And so it, you know, an idea kind of means nothing without execution. And so there are different parts of projects and companies and startups. There's obviously the people who handle vision and there's the people who handle execution. And there's obviously a lot of debate between, you know, which one is better, which one's more important. Like, okay, you can't have the idea without having the idea, right? But then you can't have the product without, you know, executing on it. And so it really goes both ways where there's no one piece of the pie that's more important than the other. They're both equally as important. And so, a lot of people, they have the idea, but they never execute on it. And so even if it's an unoriginal idea, I think usually it turns out good, even if it doesn't necessarily turn out good for the company. Um, definitely learn something. Yeah, and I think um, hackathons are a really great way to just get started on some ideas and try out a project, and maybe afterwards you can continue with it as well. Um, what are your tips for anyone who's looking to start their software engineering career? 
Um, I think like, yeah, there's a very fine line between, um, and it's like a relative term, like with your career, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe your career starts with your professional career when you make your first dollar, right? Or maybe some careers are just like, oh yeah, well, I think of a career as, oh, I wrote my first line of code. That could be called a journey. But like, you know, it's a very relative term, but I think anyone who's willing, who's just getting started, um, and I love touching on this uh, for beginners who are getting into programming specifically. And I think everyone should definitely take this with a grain of salt because it's, um, you know, it could be viewed as controversial depending on who you are. But I would say a lot of people like to talk about, hey, when you start in anything in general, but like a lot of people like to hammer it into, into a CS. It's like, okay, well, if you get into CS, you got to join a club, right? You got to join a club. You got to join a community. You got to, you know, you got to be around people you gotta attend a hackathon you gotta join this competition you gotta join i don't know what's called usako i don't really know what those competitions are but you gotta join them right but i kind of always advise that they don't and i think the reason why is just because that is the basis of where a lot of imposter syndrome comes in uh you take like a really great community and i love this community i'm in it uh but uh the hack club community there's they have a gigantic slack community that's like And this is geared towards the high school students, Um, you know, I think over 11,000 members and they're just, they're just blowing up and they're, they're really, really impactful. But the thing is, is that it's super easy to get demoralized uh, in that community. Uh, For example, I have been in that community. Um, I joined the community around like a year after I started coding and um, I'm still in it. I think I joined at the beginning of this year or last year, I can't remember. But when I first joined, I just kind of looked around and everyone was building projects and talking about, you know, coding and all that kind of stuff. I was just kind of thinking like, I am probably the stupidest person in this community. Um, you know, even though I've been trying to learn as much as I can, right? And so it's super, super demoralizing because I had already gotten a pretty good start into knowing uh, the general terminology and jargon that they that they use, but um, it was still demoralizing. And even now, like it's not necessarily demoralizing for me to, you know, participate in that in that community. But it's definitely like, you know, it makes you uh, sometimes be very self conscious about your own skills. And so uh, I feel like, and I think of veering off a little bit more from it is just you know a lot of people like to talk about how you deal with imposter syndrome, but Imposter syndrome is going to happen for everyone because you're always going to be able to compare yourself with someone better or something better. And it's, yes, you should definitely know how to deal with it, but it's also worthwhile to know like where it comes from. And I think like, you know, joining communities and those kinds of uh, competitions where, you know, where intensity is really, really high can also drive a lot of imposter syndrome. And it can also give off a bad first impression of uh, CS in general. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I. I didn't even know what, you know, GitHub was in like six months ago. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like, it, it was a long time. I think a month into like meeting a lot of people in tech, uh, like a lot of my friends want to be software engineers and you always, and they always had that jargon. Um, so it took me a long time to figure out what they meant when they said commit or pull request. And I was like, what are you saying? Yeah. But, and then later on, like, every time I kind of leveled up my knowledge, there's, there's, there's always this new, this new language. And there's always this new thing that just like everyone starts talking about. And you're like, what, 
what is that? Uh, so I think that's a, like a very unique thing about software engineering where things just pop up every day. And I think if you try to learn everything, whoa, you're going to get demotivated. Um, yeah, exactly. It's really cool to see people that are really into that. But I noticed that they don't deal with everything. Like they're very expert about one thing. Um, maybe it's JavaScript, for example. And they focus on that and they know everything about it. So to you, it might seem like, whoa, I don't know anything just because they know everything about that language. They didn't focus on like trying to learn every language as beginners try to do. They just focused on maybe like something that they liked within software engineering because it's like extremely huge field. And then mm -hmm. they became experts on that. And I think those are the people that don't, don't get overwhelmed. And like, obviously like they try new things, but I think people that just tend to focus on maybe like a couple languages or just the main interest, I think that's that's what really brings them forward so for me for example i kind of just oriented myself toward front-end web development because uh, to me like i like expressing my creativity and things like that um so that's that's kind of the thing i was leaning towards whereas when i first started going into like okay i'm gonna do so much so much tech stuff um i'm gonna be just like my friends who knew about github because like at the time just having a github account was like whoa, I'm a hacker now. But then I like learned what I liked and now I'm less overwhelmed because I know more about what I'm interested in, not like everything about software engineering. If that makes exactly, sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so is there any other projects or things you want to talk about surrounding projects or something that you would really want to try out? I think, um, yeah, hmm. I think like there's always, there's always different things to learn like I, I think a little bit more about my specific niche in development um i focus on full stack web so um and full stack js so i i do a lot of front end web design and web development um and i also do a lot of back end web development so um that kind of opens me up to building different projects and so i think like there's always a lot of new things that i could possibly be trying out like one thing that i had uh tried for a little bit which i'm not currently working on at the moment but like building different chrome extensions and um mm. i believe one thing that i'm considering uh looking into would be mobile app development and um i think a little bit more on the chrome extension side it's just like or things like chrome extensions i i think like those kinds of forms of development might seem very intimidating like it was very intimidating for me like how do you how the heck do you build a chrome extension right um but it turned out to be some of that I thought like there's obviously a specific configuration that Chrome expects from when you're trying to deploy a Chrome extension but um, it's essentially just like you know it's just a browser but it's just like a smaller window right and so you know it has almost all of the same capabilities besides specific niche uh, functionalities that are available in Chrome but not in Chrome extensions um, like real-time communication but I think like there's always a lot of new things to uh, try out. And if there's not a lot of new things to try out, which there always are, like there's always new frameworks and always new uh, languages to mess around with, but there's always a lot of ideas to build. Um, one thing that I have been pretty consistent at doing is just, you know, ideas and startup ideas and project ideas come to you at like the weirdest times. And so I just have this gigantic list of at least 30 to 40 um, ideas for projects that I've built up over the last few months. And it's just 
a matter of, hey, I have this idea and it might be it might be really stupid or it might be like a good idea. I don't know, but I'm just going to mark it down here and I'm going to see where it goes. And so and sometimes when I'm bored, I'll sift through that list. And then one thing will pop out to me. That's exactly how ours popped back out to me because I was bored and I looked through back my list and then I was like, oh, I remember I never continued that project. I want to try it again. Or sometimes you'll have an idea and in the moment you'll think it's so stupid. But then when you look back on it with a different perspective, like maybe three, four months later, you have different experiences. You'll see something in that idea that, okay, well, maybe it's, I shouldn't build the exact replica of that. But there, you know, there is some potential that I did not notice before. And it could be the other way around. Like, okay, well, I thought this was such a great idea. I look back on it with more experience and it's just a terrible idea. It's already been built before. So I think there's always new things to learn for me. And I think right now I'm not necessarily looking for a specific, you know, new, new idea or new app to build, but I'm always, I guess I'm always open to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would encourage you listeners to make a list of things you want to do. And I think it's really valuable as a student, uh, whether you're a high school or college or, or even past that, um, to work on some side projects that interest you, uh, whether it be software development, whether it be, I don't know, making a podcast, whether it be something along the lines of that. Um, and I think, you know, having that time in the day where you don't have any distractions and you're just thinking about things, um, you're like, what do I want to do? Um, that would interest me. Or if you don't want to make your own project, you can join someone else's. You could maybe just start an organization or a club. I think those are really valuable things that you will learn so much from. You're going to gain a lot of skills. And the ultimate goal is not to, for example, if you're making a website, to like deploy it. I think the best thing is to like the journey, uh, learning the skills along the way. And then maybe in the future when you do have more skills, uh, for example, Calix he he's always progressing with his skills so things that he couldn't do before or he didn't finish before he can do now so it's the same thing that applies to everything else your skills are just going to keep upgrading but i think the best way to do that is to work on things that interest you definitely 100 percent agree yeah so uh i think that concludes this episode it kind of inspired me to work on some cool projects um if you have any questions about starting a project or maybe joining a project with Calix, definitely um, hit him up on his socials. So he has a LinkedIn, it's just Calix Huang. I'll also link that down below. A website and uh, ours.zone for his productivity website, which you should definitely check out and try out. Um, and also his Instagram, Twitter, uh, and that's it. If you have any questions about whether it just be general questions about software development, I think he's a really knowledgeable person surrounding that field. Um, and I'm super glad I met you today. Uh, we'll definitely keep in contact in the near future. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much. All right. I'll see you guys next week. And remember to always ask questions and to stay curious. Bye.